0: Let's move straight to the word. 15th chapter of Genesis. The background of that song that they just sang was, it's a band that I'm very, it's one of my favorite bands, it's a Christian band. and Three or four years ago, they were on a, a tour with a secular, very famous secular group. And Bo, the singer of the band, said he looked out in the crowd and he simply asked himself, what am I doing? What are we doing? And he said, we got so concerned with how the music sounded and the reaction of the crowd that we forgot what our purpose was. And they wrote that song, Difference Maker. How many of you all know that we all fall into that sometimes? We kind of forget what we're here for. And we ask ourselves, what am I here for? I've asked myself that question many times, and I'm sure if everybody was honest, they would ask the same question, what am I here for, God? What is my purpose? Why am I in Hebrew Springs? Why why do I attend First Assembly? And I simply tell you, as I told myself, is God wants to use us to be a difference maker. Amen? So let's look at the scripture, Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at a difference maker for sure. Look at verse 1. Says after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, "Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward." But Abram said, "Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus?" Then Abram said, "Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir." And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, and he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Verse 6 is the verse that I really want us to lock into. The Bible says, And he believed in the Lord and accounted it to him for righteousness. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I simply pray this morning, God, that it be all you, Father. God, you are the focus this morning. You are the true difference maker. God, I pray that your word would speak to each and every one of us, God. Lord, I know, Father, that you have brought me here this morning to encourage somebody with your word. Not my words, but with your word. So, God, I thank you in advance for the words that you're going to speak, Father, to your people. We love you, and we thank you for this moment in time, Lord. We don't take it lightly. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. I do want to encourage somebody. I want to encourage the church family this morning. This is a word that really started to stir in my heart about two or three weeks ago when Pastor preached, I believe his last message before he took the sabbatical. And then Pastor Fred came along, Last week and just kind of put fuel on the fire and just kind of linked up with what god was stirring in my heart So I hope this is kind of a continuation of what we've been hearing here on sunday mornings But abram or abraham Obviously in this moment. He hasn't had his name changed yet, but The simple verse says and he believed in the lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness And i've heard that verse many times and i've heard that verse preached many many times and I never saw it like I saw it these past two weeks And I want to just read some of the things that I wrote down. I brought my prayer journal, and I don't have any specific notes. These are just things that God has downloaded on my heart that I believe he wants me to share with you guys. Is that all right this morning? For the first time, faith and righteousness are mentioned together in Scripture in this verse. In the Old Testament, faith had a twofold designation, trust in or reliance upon and fidelity to or faithfulness. And get this sentence right here. This is a powerful sentence. Thus believe, everybody say believe. The Hebrew meaning here means to perse- persevere in trust and belief by manifesting an obedient faithfulness. And I think the key word there is manifesting. Manifesting, the word in the Greek is, if I say it right, fanaru, which means to make known. Abraham made his faith known. How many of you know when God called him out of Ur? He didn't just stand around and said, God, I believe in you, and he just stood there. He put trust in his faith by going. And then when he was asked to to sacrifice his son on top of the mountain, he just didn't stand there and tell everybody, I've got faith that this can happen. He put action to it. Amen? So it says, this was the kind of faith Abram possessed. His heart was turned toward God in an ending trust, obedience, and submission. Now let's turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Now, I want to be very clear that this is not a work salvation message. I mean, you know salvation comes from Christ crucified. Amen. He did all the work. There's nothing that we can do to earn anything. He did all the work. But I believe in the things that we've been talking about that it is time for us as the church to put action to our faith. Amen. If you read the, about the men and women in the scriptures, so many of them, they put faith to their, they put action to their faith. And it's, once again, it's not about a work salvation. I want to be very clear on that. But when we say that we have faith, there needs to be action behind that. Amen. James chapter 2, let's pick it up at verse 14. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, I want to stop right there and let's break down the word works. Everybody say works. The Hebrew in in the word works, "mahese," which means action, something offered, toil, doing, labor, or work. And he says, can faith save him? Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? I know for me, there's been many times where someone was in need and I just missed the opportunity. I missed the opportunity to put my action to my faith. And, and James is referencing somebody here. What, is it, what does it matter if somebody is in need and I tell them that I have faith and I tell them all the good things, but I don't put action to that faith, that I don't help them? In verse, verse 17, says, thus also faith by itself... If it does not have works, it's dead. That's a very powerful verse, church family. Amen? And I want to keep your finger there on James chapter 2. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Because I just want to make sure that you understand that I'm not saying that you have to go out and earn your salvation through your works. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 8. Paul's speaking here. It says, for by grace you have been saved, amen, Amen. through faith, and that not of yourselves. There's nothing I could, there's there's not any missions trips I can go on, there's not any foster kids that I can save, there's not any people that I can clothe and feed that that I can earn that salvation. But look at verse 9, or excuse me, verse 8, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10 is the key because I believe a lot of times we skip verse 10. It says, for we are his, what, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, for action, which God prepared beforehand that we should do what? That we should walk in them. God wants us to walk in our faith through what? Through action, through doing something. God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's got to be action in that, in our faith. And it's great. I, you know, I finally come to a place in my life through the years where I quit just saying, man, I'm going to pray for you. And then I didn't pray for him. I just go on and forget about it. I, I started putting action to that faith. And how many of you know that's a powerful thing when somebody, and I just encourage you, if somebody asks you to pray with them, pray with them right then. If, it, if it's possible, pray with them right then. Because you're putting action to your faith. Okay, there's a culture that we live in that needs to see action they don't need to hear another person say that they have faith. They need to see that action. Amen. They need to see that faith. Let's pick back up at James chapter 2, verse let's go 17. Once again, that's also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. But someone will say, "You have faith and I have works." Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works or action when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Verse 23, I love this verse. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We read that. It's referencing Genesis 15 and 6, but he adds to it. And he says, and he was called the what? The friend of God. How many of you know in relationships, especially in the teenage years, and I see this a lot in youth ministry, people say, oh, I'm here for you, man. I'm here. When something goes down, I'm going to be here for you. When something bad happens to you, I'm going to be here for you. I'm your best friend. How many of you know it's a different story when something does happen? Are they there or not? And if you're, if you're blessed, and I've been very blessed with such an unbelievable network of people around me, even through, through the younger years, that when something did go down and I needed somebody in my life, and that friend was actually there, they did what they said they were going to do. How many of you know something happened to my relationship with that person? It drew closer. There was a trust factor there. And I knew that what he said or what she said that they meant, not because they just told me that, but by their actions. And how many of you know, with Abraham and God's relationship, it would have been very easy for Abraham to say, God, I believe in you and all of those things are good, but I just don't want to go yet. But he went. And what happened? The Bible says that God counted him as one of his friends. Because Abraham was faithful. He was obedient. There was action behind his faith, and that drew him closer to the Lord. If you read the Scripture and you look at Abraham and the journey that he went on, what happened between each journey? The Bible says that he stopped and he built an altar and he prayed, and he drew closer to God. Church family, I'm here to tell you, if you will put action to your faith, if you will begin to truly be a difference maker to other people on a daily basis, that's a great thing. How I many you know that's a great thing to lift up other people and show them the love of Christ? There's something that really cool that happens, and I've noticed this a lot, especially in the last few years, is you will draw closer to God. I hear a lot of people say, man, I just wanna draw closer to God. I wanna draw closer to God. What are you doing to do that? What are you doing to draw closer to God? Abraham was being obedient, but through his obedience, he was stopping, and he was building an altar, and he was praying, and he was seeking the Lord. Then he would go out, and he would help somebody, and then he would stop and pray and seek the Lord. Look at verse 24. How many of you want to be a friend of God? That's a, I'm thankful for God this morning. He's a personal God. And he wants to be my friend. Verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by, not by faith only. Verse 25, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot, the prostitute, also justified by works? When she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. How many of you know if Rahab wouldn't have taken took in, took in those spies to her home and hid them? And knew that it was of God. How many of you know if she just said that, yeah, my house is available. When they showed up, she got to pushed them away. How many of you knows that Rahab would just be known as a harlot, as a sinner? But Rahab took them in. She said, I believe in your Lord. I believe in the Lord that parted the Red Seas. So I will do what you want me to do. I will do what the Lord wants me to do. She believed. And because of that, In the history of of Scripture, she doesn't go down as just Rahab the prostitute. That prostitute is taken away, and something is replaced. She's in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the people of faith, of great faith. Why? Because she put action to her faith. And I'm here to tell some of you, some of you are discouraged, and some of you feel like that you don't do anything for God, and it's impossible for you to do anything for God because everybody else gets to do something for God. I'm telling you right now, God wants you to be a difference maker. He wants you to remove that label that maybe you've been known for your whole life or he wants you to remove that label that you've been known for in this season of life and he wants to replace that with faith, with action to your faith, amen? Church family, Revelation speaks of it. We're all gonna be judged, amen? We're all gonna be judged. What did he say to the churches in the first several chapters of Revelation? He said, I know your works. I know your actions. I know what you do on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I know what you do in your quiet time. I know your works. Church family, I want God to know my works and I want those works to be full of faith. I want them to have to do with me being a difference maker for somebody else. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're gonna till some ground that's already been tilled. How many of you know it's good to go back and till the ground where the seed has already been planted a lot of times? Hebrews chapter 10. Pastor preached a great message two weeks ago. It really moved me. And I wanna pick... That back up in Hebrews chapter 10, because I want to bring this to a local level, the local church. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse, mm, let's go, let's look at verse 19. And I loved how pastor brought it to a local level, because it's great. Listen to me, I enjoyed having Pastor Fred, and I, listen, we sponsor kids, and In Uganda, we sponsor kids somewhere else. I don't know where that place is. Her name's Princess. We pray for missionaries. How many of you know missionaries are an awesome group of people that are spreading the gospel to the world, and that's what God told us to do? But I truly believe if the local church will fix their mind on the local level and what they can do at the local level, we will see a great move of God. Amen. Combining that with what's going on in the, in the world, missionary-wise, and the people will just rise up and do things locally. And I want to bring this to a local level, this thought of being a difference maker. Is it a di- being a difference maker sending $35 to Uganda a month? Absolutely. We saw it last week. Pastor Fred showed us the school that was being built. And to know that your seed is part of that, that is a phenomenal thing. And we don't want to discount that at all because that's just as important as anything else. But let me tell you, church family, when you bring it to a local level, when you begin to know that you can be a difference maker in your own community, when you can be a difference maker in your own church, when you can be a difference maker at your own house, your own school, your own workplace, man, that's a powerful thing. Look at verse 19. It said, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Pastor spoke on this. Considering one another, provoking one another, spurring one another, that's action. That's action. You're sitting amongst a great people group. We say it all the time, a great church family. But let me be honest with you, church family, this is also a broken church family. You heard pastors say there's many people in our church fellowship that need the hand of God upon their situation. There are people that you might be sitting on the same row right now, that this might be the darkest season of their life. You might be in a good place, but the person next to you is in a very, very dark place, and they need a difference maker to speak into their life. And that's what we can. Do at a local level. Amen. Come on, church family. That's what we can do at a local level. I could give you testimonies of situations where people got that in this church and we're seeing the fruit of that right now. But I want to see more of it in this congregation and in this church. People knowing that we can provoke one another and spur one another on with love, considering one another. Listen, it might seem so minuscule. We bring it up a lot. But you speaking to another person that you go to church with that. You never have. Only God in heaven knows the impact of that for some people. I can't tell you how many people in our church fellowship brought brought, brings that up. So, you know what, so-and-so talked to me, or so-and-so said this, and it just lifted me up. Listen, you don't have to preach an eight-part sermon to lift up somebody's life. You don't have to preach a ten-part message and be all theological to be a difference maker. If we'll just obey the word of God and if we'll just consider one another, considering one another. Abraham considered somebody else. Rahab considered somebody else above herself, and look what happened. Her and her family was blessed and favored and saved. Her whole household was blessed, favored, and saved. Go over to Luke chapter 12. I want to stay the same path that pastor took. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Church family, I'm so stirred this morning. Not because I'm nervous, not because of but of the potential That is in this room. Let me say it again. There is potential in this room. There is potential in this room. Luke chapter 12. Let's follow this. Pick it up at verse 35. Luke chapter 12 verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. That's a lot of action there. Come on. Let your lamps be burning and gird your waist. That means be prepared for action. Be prepared to be a difference maker every day of your life. When you go in that room in the morning, that's why we and we will say it until the doors of this church are shut down and Jesus comes back. We will say it until we're blue in the face. When you wake up in the morning, if you want to be a true difference maker, the first place you need to go is in that room and you need to shut that door. Because Matthew 6 says when you go in there and you shut that door, the Bible says that God will reward you openly for what you do in secret. Start your day off fixed on God knowing that God wants to use you. If you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is Facebook and Snapchat and post and send this and send that and look at your 175,000 emails and it's not even eight o'clock in the morning yet, you're not gonna be a difference maker for anybody. You're gonna need somebody to be a difference maker for you because you're gonna be in the, you know what? Come on, church, I'm just speaking the truth. There's so much potential in this church family. We've been saying it for years. There's going to be a great outpouring. There's going to be a great, if you want to use the word, revival in this city, and I truly believe that. We've heard pastor's message. He's gotten uh, personal about how God spoke to him as a young person. I've told you my story about how God brought me back here. God wants to do, he's done great things, but he wants to do some awesome, awesome works in this city. And I truly believe that we're still going to be the Pentecostal voice in north central Arkansas. So be ready. Let your lamps be burning. Verse 36, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch or whenever he's going to come and find them so, blessed are those servants. Pastor talked about it and I love it. I don't know when he's coming. Nobody knows. The Bible is very clear on that. But he could come today and he could come a thousand years from now. But when he comes, I want to be found being a difference maker for somebody's life. Whether that's a 12-year-old teenager that doesn't have a mom and daddy, whether that be a one-year-old girl that needs a place to stay, or whether that be an 80-year-old saint that lost a husband. I want to be a difference maker when Jesus Christ comes back. Amen? Amen? Let's pick it back up. Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? "'Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, "'My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants "'and to eat and drink and be drunk,' "'the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him "'and in an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two "'and appoint him as portion with the unbelievers. "'And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself "'or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes.'" But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. Church family, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's a big responsibility. Because he gives us work to do. He says when you ask Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, it's time. It's time to get to work. It's time to start being a discipler. It's time to start telling other people about Jesus Christ. It's time to begin to start telling other people who I am. And it's a simple answer to a question that we've made complex as a nation. Why is the nation like it is? Why do we have so many problems like it is? It's because we're not taking full responsibility of what our job is. And our job is to be difference makers every day of our life. Amen? Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. I want everybody to say the potential's in the room. Come on, the potential's in the room. I want to read a few notes that I wrote down. The pastor talked about. And he made a he made an athletic comparison. And he said, you know what? When, when we watch the games, which finally. It was fun to watch a game yesterday, amen? When we watch a game, it's very easy, especially me and him. When me and him get together, it's a sight. And uh, we know that we can go in there and we can do a better job than Brandon Allen. We know we can go in there and do a better job than so-and-so, knowing dang well we would get our necks snapped in half. But we say it anyway. But that opportunity is not for us. We can't do that. We, we joke about it, but we can't call Coach Beliem and say, hey, Coach, I know somebody that can be a quarterback. His name's Leotis Brown." And he's a five-star recruit from Wilburn. I know you don't know where Wilburn is, but it's in the ghetto. It's next to Compton in California. The pastor made a great point. And he said, you know what? We can't live out that dream. We can't be a difference maker for the Arkansas Razorbacks. But in the local church, in the church, you don't have to be a spectator. You don't have to sit on the sidelines. You don't have to say, I wish I could do this or I wish I could do that. We've told you, we put it in the bulletin. We put it on, we put it everywhere. There are so many ministries in this church. That God wants to revitalize, and he wants to anoint, and he wants to send out. And here's the thing. You say, well, there's not people to lead those, or there's not people to be in those. Yes, the people that need to lead those and be in those are the people sitting in this church right now. This church is such a talented church family. This is the church field. Let's bring the athletic analogy back. This church is filled with a bunch of five-star recruits. A bunch of five-star recruits. But listen to me. You can be a five-star recruit, and if you never put foot to field, nothing's ever going to happen. You're just going to be known as the one that had potential. I don't want to be a church that is known that that church had a lot of potential. I want to fulfill that potential. And the only way we fulfill that potential is being a difference maker ourselves individually every day of the week and when we come to the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Put that saying up there. I love this. I just saw this about three weeks ago. You can't change the world, but you can change the world for somebody. Dear God. I remember when I first got into the ministry, and he probably remembers this phone call. I was at Walmart, and Katrina had hit. And when I, when I want to help somebody, I want to change the world for him. I want to change the whole world. I want everything to be at peace. I want to stop everything. I want to do it. So I called him and I said, Pastor, we got to do something. we gotta, we got to go and we gotta, we got to push the floods back into the ocean. we got to build Louisiana that day. we got to save all these people. we got to go now. we got to get teams together. Do you remember that? we got to get teams together. we got to go now. we got to do something. I want to shut Walmart down and just take all this stuff in the building and just take it down there. I was trying to change the world. And he said, just calm down. He said, just calm down. We'll do something. Let's just give it time. Let's, just, let's, let's have wisdom behind that. And listen to me, that's such a true statement. You can't change the world, but you can change the world for somebody. That's a powerful thing to get down in your spirit, that you can change the world for somebody, for another human being. And we've seen it at such a powerful level the last two years of our life in fostering kids and how it's so true. But let me tell you something, you don't have to foster a child to change somebody's life. You can change somebody's life sitting on a chair on a Sunday morning. Do you get that? Please get that. Please understand that some of you are so anointed of God and there's so much potential that you have that God just wants you to use in that moment. In those Sunday school class windows of time, in those times out there in the foyer, we've become as American church so routine. Everything is so routine. We know what to expect. We know what's coming around the corner. I want to quit knowing what's coming around the corner and be a difference maker for somebody and not know what the day's going to unfold or how the Holy Spirit's going to use me with a full concentration and focus and intent to help change somebody's life forever. Amen. Amen. Come on, I'm just uh, I'm just the mailman. I'm putting it in your box today and I'm shutting it. It's up to you to open it. So, it's up to you to go get it. It's up to you go get it. We get too overwhelmed. We get too overwhelmed when when pastors or leaders challenge us, I believe. I've been overwhelmed by leaders sometimes. Just not, and it ain't their fault. It's just in the sense of I look at me and I look at what this flesh can do. I can't lead a bunch of teenagers. I, I can't disciple 100 teenagers. I can't disciple 20 students. I can't do this. I can't do this. I had the great opportunity this week to be in a conference call and speak to Richard Crisco. And if you don't know who Richard Crisco is, he's the senior pastor in a church in Michigan now, Great Assembly of God Church. But he was the youth pastor at Brownsville when the Brownsville revival broke out. And he was talking to some of us youth pastors, and we was asking questions of different things. And he said the day that the revival broke out is a Father's Day. He said we were running about 120 in youth. And he said, man, that that was still, it was hard to disciple that many kids and be difference makers for 120 youth. I get overwhelmed with 30 or 40. And he said when the revival broke out in three months, we had almost 400 teenagers. 400 teenagers. And he said it wasn't 400 church kids. He said it was the worst of the worst. And he said, dear God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Come to find out, he said, a couple years before the revival happened, maybe a year or so, it was a little bit before the revival, he said a couple of us leaders got together and we started praying and asking God to raise up other leaders, to raise up other difference makers. And they had already started the process before the revival even hit. They didn't know the revival, it wasn't on schedule. Oh, yeah, Father's Day of such and such, one of the greatest revivals in the U.S. is going to break out. They didn't know, but they were in preparation for that moment. And guess what happened? They were ready. When those extra 300-something teenagers came to their youth ministry, they had leaders in the church ready to go, next in line to be difference makers. They didn't have to go around. They didn't have to look. They didn't have to panic. They didn't have to freak out. It was already in the facility to be used. And church family, the talent, the ability, the potential is in the room. To be difference makers. I'm telling you, I'm involved in so many different things in this community, especially since I've got young children now. My wife's in the school system. I'm part of the call, so I have a great opportunity to be a part of different segments. The benevolent side of it, I'm a part of. The, all of the areas of just life in Heber Springs. And I'm telling you, with all the truth that I have in me, people look to this church, people look to the people of this church for wisdom and guidance. A lot of times they might not come out and say it, but they're looking, they're searching. They're searching. Church family, we can make a difference in this city. But first, we've got to make a difference in our own church. First, we've got to be willing to look at each other. First, we've got to be willing to be a part of a ministry, to be a difference for somebody. Amen? 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 Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 before we read this going back to being overwhelmed I wrote down when we get overwhelmed we get overwhelmed and when we get overwhelmed we quit we quit on ourselves I'm not good enough Listen to me, nobody's good enough. I'm not good enough. Nobody's good enough. Pastor's not good enough. Abraham wasn't good enough. Rahab wasn't good enough. But it was their faith, and it was the action that they put behind that faith that made them good enough to win a lot of people for the good. Amen? God wants to use you, and I want to encourage somebody right now. God wants to use you to reach somebody else. Ladies, there's a whole generation of young ladies in this city that needs 20, 30, 40, 50 80-year-old women to come in their life and speak the truth, the word of God to them. If you don't know, I will take you to some, I promise. Guys, if there ever was a need for the men, the Christian men of this country to rise up, it's right now. We have daughters that don't have daddies. And that's one of the most toughest combinations that you can deal with. We have young boys that never know how to become men because they never had somebody to show them. Listen, you don't have to know the whole Old Testament to be a mighty man of God. There's way too much pride and there's way too much intimidation in a lot of men in our culture. And you've got to break that. You've got to allow God to break that down. Because You say, well, I don't talk a lot. God can use you. You can be a difference maker. And I'm not just saying it from a student level, but that is a big need. But I'm saying it from an adult level. There's a lot of adults out there that just need a man or a woman of God to come alongside of them and be a difference maker and speak the truth and put action, put action to their faith. John chapter fifteen. Verse nine. Jesus speaking here. It says I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to let God just prune you down a little bit to get to the good stuff. Anybody else? Come on, church. Come on, church. You got to let God prune you down. He's the potter. We're the clay. Sometimes he's got to take that clay off of that wheel and stretch it out a little bit. Stretch it out a little bit. Listen, I, the, the more sacrifice that my family makes, the greater we become closer to God. It's a proven fact. I've heard it time and time again, and now I'm experiencing it in my own life becoming a friend of God, a close relationship with Jesus. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I in the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I, Jesus speaking, have loved you. Think about the love of Christ that he has upon you. Now take that and give it to somebody else. Amen? That's going to change somebody's life. That's going to bless somebody. That's going to put you in a situation that you're truly a difference maker. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, get this, church family. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That you should go, action, move. You should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Not hit and miss, not here today, gone tomorrow, but that your fruit should remain. Listen, you might have been part of a great ministry in this church. And for whatever reason that ministry is gone, there's another one waiting for you to participate. Amen? There's another one for you to be a part of. Should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. That you love one another. That you be a difference maker for another person. Church, remember, if, there's, if there's one thing that I want on my tombstone when I die, it is that he was a difference maker. He was a difference maker for his family first. Come on. Come on, you gotta make a difference in your home before you try to change the world for Jesus. That's a whole nother message. You have a difference maker in your home. He was a difference maker in his church. He was a difference maker in his community. He was a difference maker for whatever. He was a difference maker. That should be all of our goals. That should be all of our wants and our desires. Put that last slide up. You start making a difference at the minute you realize you are incapable of doing it yourself. Let me read that again. You start making a difference at the minute you realize you are incapable of doing it yourself. I truly believe that there was a moment and it's not written about really, but there was a moment in Abram's life when he was called out of Ur and he had to take all of his family and, and, and leave and go somewhere that he didn't know where he was going. How am I going to do this? How am I going to take my son to the mountain and sacrifice him? Rahab, how am I going to house these two people? I'm just a prostitute. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer. But then there was a realization moment that it wasn't about them and that I couldn't do it myself, but I needed God to intervene. I needed God. I needed my faith to be manifested. And that's when things happen. When you step out, it's cliche. We hear it a lot in sermons throughout the years. But if you'll just step out in faith, it's true. God will do the work. God will be, do the work. If you'll be obedient and just listen to the voice of God, God will do the work. Amen? And then you'll truly make a difference in somebody else's life. Stand to your feet this morning. Daryl, if you can join me up here, if you would, please, sir, or Aaron, either one. I want us to close our eyes this morning and just focus on Jesus for a moment. First and foremost, I, I want to make sure if you're here this morning and you say, I don't know how to make a difference because I don't know the difference maker. I don't know the true difference maker. I don't know Jesus Christ It's my Lord and my Savior. But I want to make a difference in somebody else's life.